Hi everyone, I know many people have questions about the mark of the beast. Who is the mark of the beast? What is the mark of the beast? So I have a Bible study I would like everyone to listen to, those who are interested. And the two young men that will be doing the Bible study would be Jared and Richard. Please have your pen and pencil ready so you may be able to take notes and that you may be able to go back and study these things for yourselves. All right, enjoy. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. All right. It's good to see everyone. Um, and we will now begin with our Sabbath school lesson. Today we're talking about a very important subject, the subject that we may have all studied ourselves and we hear about frequently. This is the mark of the beast. So we, this is part two of the third angel's message. We've been going through that series. We've covered the first, the second, and this mm -hmm. is um, the third angel's message. We're talking about the mark of the beast today. Amen, friends. Those of you here locally, you should have gotten your... Um handout as soon as you came through the door. So pull those out along with a pen, a pencil, um, a writing utensil. We're going to be taking some notes. We're going to be digging deep tonight, this, this morning in our Sabbath school lesson. Those online joining us, you can find the Sabbath school lesson right beneath the description box in the YouTube, beneath the YouTube video. You'll find it right there. Click on it, download it, follow us along. It's also posted on our website, prophesyagain.org. Click on the menu tab that says Bible study, and the link there is International Sabbath School. And the first link, when you click on it, you'll see the mark of the beast. This is um, part two in our series, friends, all right? All right. We have a lot to cover. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for life today, and we thank you for the blessings of the Sabbath. We ask that our attention will be focused here on your word and in your presence. Let nothing distract our minds from this all-important subject. Cleanse us from sin and help us to see you lifted up and to make sure that we are found on the side of Jesus Christ in this great controversy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so... Uh, we, we touched on our subject for today, and this again comes from Revelation 14, verses 9 through 11. So let's turn there. This will be our opening scripture, Revelation 14, verses 9 through 11. This is the third angel's message. Yes. All right. Are we there, friends? Again, when you find the scriptures as we go throughout our lesson, let us know by saying amen, friends. We want to make sure we're all together. Are we at, we're there in Revelation 14? Mm -hmm. All right. Verses 9, the Bible says, And the third angel, that's our series here, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Notice in verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Amen. Amen, friends. All right, so this is um, the foundation of our study today. Let's go to number two on our handout. It tells you to read Revelation 13, verses 1 through 10. We are not going to read all of that right now, but for further study, you can do that. Let's just start off with verse uh, 1 and 2 of Revelation 13. It says this, friends, Revelation 13, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, heads and ten horns, and upon his heads the name of what, friends? Blasphemy. Verse 2. 
Okay. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So let's go back to number two on the handout. We've, we've read those two verses, and it says, To understand the mark of the beast, we must first identify the beast. Mm -hmm. right? The leopard-like beast represents the papacy, popery, and Roman Catholicism. So let's confirm this point. We told you the answer, so now let's walk together. All right, number three on your handout here. It says, the question asks, what does a beast represent in Bible prophecy? What does a beast represent in Bible prophecy? Let's dig now, friends. Go with us to Daniel chapter 7. We're going to confirm every point from the Bible. Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to look at verse, we're going to start at verse 7, friends. Daniel chapter 7, when you find the scriptures, let us know. Daniel 7, verse 17, yes. Thank you. All right, so, so we know this. Go ahead. All right, the Bible says, Daniel 7, verse 17, These great beasts, which are four, are four what? Kings, which shall arise out of the earth. Mm, and verse 23 says, Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth what? The fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. So a beast simply represents a king or a kingdom, right? And right. kings, they rule over kingdoms. So a beast represents a nation. We would call king kingdoms nations today. Amen. All right. Well, that's your answer, friends. So write that down there. And as you're writing, we're going to go to number four on your handout, which is a note. It says... The beasts of Daniel 7 are intimately connected with the leopard-like beast of Revelation chapter 13. Keep that in mind as we go throughout our study, right? Daniel and the book of Revelation are intertwined. Both books of prophecy. Amen, friends? Amen. All right. Let's go to number five now on your handout. Yes. It says, what is the name that is written on the head of this beast? We already read the scripture, so scan the verse and tell us what's the answer. Blasphemy, right? Mm -hmm. Blasphemy blasphemy is written on the head of this beast. Mm -hmm. So now. So this nation, this king or kingdom, it commits blasphemy, right? Blasphemy. All right, friends, keep that in mind. All right, we're building here. All right, number six. It says, what does the Bible call blasphemy? Mm -hmm. John 10. Now, we've, now, co we've covered some of this in our, our previous lessons, mm -hmm. friends. This is just a refresher, a reminder, right, as we go throughout our lesson. This nation, this king, this kingdom commits blasphemy. So we want to refresh your minds again. What does the Bible call blasphemy? According to John 10, verses 30 to 33. Right. In verse 30, Jesus says, I and my father are one. Let's go to verse 33 now. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we stone thee not, but mm -hmm. for... Blasphemy. blasphemy. Mm. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. So what's the definition of blasphemy here? A man, a man. who claims to be God. Yes. So again, this beast, right, has a man who claims to be God. Amen, friends. Let's Thank go you. to the next one. All right. Number seven. A, number seven on your handout, friends. Note, it says, consider the following admissions by Roman Catholics. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see what they have to say. It says, this, this is a, we got, these are a couple of links here, friends. Again, you can go back and research and read the full article. But we just put it in there again. The Roman Catholics admitting that they have, a, they have a man who claims to be God, right? Let's read those headlines here. It says this, 
all bishops, this is quoting from the Catholics, all bishops with Peter at their head are vicars, which are basically representatives of Christ, right? Vicars, that is, they take the place mm. of Christ on earth. Mm. Notice the language there. They take the place of. Mm. When you take the place of, are you, are, are you not removing and putting yourself there? Mm -hmm. Yes, friends. So out of their mouth, they're saying, we are taking the place of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. let's, read the, let's read the the, uh, the other headline here. It says, the title Vicar of Christ is more expressive of his supreme headship of the church on earth. Mm. Right? So who holds this title, Vicar of Christ? It is the Pope of Rome. So it says, it's expressive of his supreme headship of mm. the church. But But does Jesus say that he gave the headship of his church over to a man? No. That's not they misquote Christ yeah. in, I believe, in Matthew 16, where mm -hmm. Christ is talking to Peter. Yes. Right? All right. So let's go to number eight here. However, who does Jesus say would stand in his place on earth? And who does the Bible say is the head of the church on earth? Let's mm -hmm. confirm this from scripture. Let's go to John 14, verse 26. All right. Let's, let's get a reader here. John 14 and verse 26. I'm going to read it right here in the corner. Who does Jesus say would stand in his place on the earth? Mm -hmm. Yes, once. Go ahead. Six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. All right. Paul, hold the mic. You're going to read the next one. So it says the comforter, which is who? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Go over to 15, John 15 and verse 26 and read that for us, please. John 15, 26. Mm -hmm. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Mm. So according to Jesus, who was to stand in his place here on earth? It was the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, right, friends? The Holy Ghost. Does it say the Pope there? No, no friends. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say the Pope. It doesn't say a man. It says the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would be in Christ's place. And now the question asks, and of course you can go to John 16 also, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 13, also confirms the point that God, Christ, sent the Holy Ghost in place of himself to be with us here as a representative on the earth. Amen, friends? Yes. All right, the, the other portion of that question asks this, who does the Bible say is the head of the church on earth? Head of the church on earth, right? The Pope says, I'm the head of the, of the church on earth, right? But what does the Bible say? Who is the head? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23. We have a reader right here at the front. All right, let's get a reader for this one here. Who does the Bible say is the head of the church on earth? Right here at the front, my brother. Thank you. According to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Mm -hmm. Clear scripture. Yeah, um, I want to read that, and then I, wanna, I wanted to make a comment. Yes. Okay. About uh, Matthew chapter 16. So you said Ephesians chapter Ephesians five. chapter 5, friends, and verse 23. Chapter Who does the Bible say is the head of the church on earth? All right, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Mm. So who's the head of the church, saints? It's right. Jesus. 
He is still the head of the church. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. I wanted to make a comment about Matthew chapter 16. Mm-hmm. It's because this is most commonly the foundational quote of the Roman Catholic Church mm-hmm. in which Jesus is telling Peter, Thou art Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, Jesus wasn't pointing at Peter. He was pointing at himself. Mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. Thou art Peter, and on this rock yes. I will build my church. Because the Greek word Jesus uses here in... Um, in Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 18, he says the word Petra. The word Petra means a, a boulder or an immovable rock or a foundational rock, mm-hmm. if you will. And the word um, for uh, Peter um, is similar to the word rock, but pebble. the word for rock there means a wee pebble. pebble almost, yes. like, mm-hmm. almost like an, a, a movable rock. Amen, exactly. yes. I mean, which would you put your foundation on? Amen. Right? That's the it, solid one. That's it. The bro. solid That's one. Exactly. exactly. Christ has not built his foundation upon men, mm-hmm. but upon Jesus Christ, the solid rock, friends. Amen. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you for that comment, my brother. Number Our- nine. <clears throat> it says, how else does the Bible define blasphemy? So we saw one definition, a man who claims to be in the position of God. What about Mark 2, verses 5 through 7? Let's turn there. Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. All right. And in verse number 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Mm, Underline that. Verse 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Verse 7. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Mm. So what is the other definition for blasphemy? Uh, A man who claims to be able to forgive forgive sins. sins. Mm. Is this the experience of the Roman Catholic Church? Yes. Do people go to confessionals, Mm. right, and confess their sins to a man, a mere man? Mm -hmm. Can a man forgive our sins, friends? Mm -mm. Absolutely not. It's only Jesus Christ we must go to confess right. our sins, friends. Amen? Yes. That's and this it. week we had an experience. We were, um, ah. we were speaking with a young lady as we were doing campus evangelism. Yes. And she was wrestling yes. with this idea mm-hmm. of confessing to another man. Yeah. She was wrestling with it. And mm-hmm. by the grace of God, God sent us providentially to open to her the scripture so that That's she it. can understand this is not biblical. Yes. This is blasphemy. Yes. And she grew up, she grew up as a Catholic. She mm-hmm. said, why, can I be, why am I not able to pray to God on my own? Why do I have to go to a man to confess this? And she was struggling with this, friends, mm-hmm. right? And so this is why these studies are so important. You're going to meet individuals who are struggling with this, with these sentiments, right? They can't find it in scripture. So who must open it? open these scriptures up to them, like the eunuch, right? Where are the Phillips? Amen, friends? We are all called to be Phillips in these last days. Praise the Lord for his marvelous, wondrous works. Amen? Amen. Under number nine, uh, we have put another article there confirming Mm -hmm. the Roman Catholic Church, they claim to be able to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. Uh, The headline says, Pope Francis sends out 1,000 new hand-picked super confessors to forgive those who have sinned so badly that only normally be pardoned by the pontiff himself. Mercy. So, I mean, j- just imagine if you're a Catholic and, and you, quote unquote, sin so badly, mm. you can only be forgiven by him. But, but what if I don't have money to travel to, to go see the Pope? I mean, you're, you're sitting there in your sins, friends, mm. right? Lord have mercy. Mm. Lord have mercy if that, if that is the experience. Wow. All right, oh Lord. But we have an advocate with the Father. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ the righteous. Amen. Amen. Let's go to number 10. All right, friends. Number 10, your handout here. It asks the question. It says, How long 
was the leopard-like beast. We're going back to Revelation 13. How long was the leopard-like beast, the papacy, to reign before receiving a deadly wound? How long was the leopard-like beast, go to Revelation 13 with us, was the papacy, the beast, to reign before receiving the deadly wound? Revelation chapter 13, friend. Let's go there. Let's go back to Revelation 13. Let's look at verse number 3. 3 and verse 5. Mm -hmm. Are we there? Remember, friends, when you find the scriptures, let us know by saying amen. amen. We don't want to leave no one behind. All right, verse 3 of Revelation 13. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. Mm. Skip, over to, skip over to verse 5 now. It says this, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things, and what else? Blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue how long? Forty and two months. Yes, that's oh. your answer. All right, we're going to break that down for you. Mm -hmm. Write that down. Forty two months mm -hmm. now this is prophecy so is this a literal 42 months no this is this is this is prophetic time prophetic. this is longer than literal 42 months let's confirm this let's go to number 12 how many number, days number 11 thank you thank you number 11 amen these 42 months represent what prophetic, prophetic time yes a biblical month has how many days in it 30 days 30 days Read Genesis 7, verses 11 and 24, and Genesis 8, verses 3 and 4. Should we go there? Yes, let's All go right, there, let's friends. go there. <laughs> Genesis chapter 7. And let's confirm, because, you know, a lot of these things may be thrown around in sermons or in teachings, but can we explain it? Do we know how? Let's confirm from the Bible that in a month, there are only 30 days. Genesis 7, let's look at verse 11 and 24. Let's get a reader. All right, thank you. My sister right here. Amen. Round in front. Read Genesis 7. Read verse 11 and 24. Verse 11. In the sixth hundred year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven we're open. All right, pause right there. So, so in order to deduce this, we have to do a little math, okay? So notice, it says the second month, and it is the 17th day of the month. All right, come now to verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. All right, good. A hundred and fifty days. Write that down as well. Go to Genesis 8, verses 3 and 4 now. Genesis chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. And notice, verse 3, the Bible says, And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Arat. So watch this. When was Moses, or not Moses, Noah. Noah. When mm -hmm. he entered into uh, the boat there, it was the second month on which day? 17. 17th day. And he came out on the, in the seventh month on the 17th, 17th. day. Mm -hmm. So exactly five months after he came out. Second month, he came out on the seventh month. Mm -hmm. That's five months. And remember, Genesis 7 and verse 24 says, how many days elapsed? 150, 150 days. days. So, little math. 
150 divided by five. five. Mm -hmm. That gives you what? 30. 30. So there were 30 days in those five months, which shows you mm -hmm. a biblical month has 30, 30 days. days. So it's a good thing we took math class, right? Amen. We, we can't forget these lessons. A amen, friends. Amen. I had him explain that one because I'm not good at math. <laughs> All Amen. right, praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. So that's how we, we deduce that. So now let's continue with number 12. All right, friend, let's go there now. Number 12, it says, how many days are in 42 months, considering that a biblical month has what? 30 days. So what are we going to do, friends? We're going to, again, we're going to do some math. I'm not too good, but I know how to multiply. Amen, friends? So we're going to take 42 months, and we're going to, times, we're going to multiply it by 30 30. days. So anybody have a calculator? Can do, anybody can do, deduce, deduce that? 42 times 30 is what? 1260 1260 days uh, amen is, is that number is that number familiar to you Amen, friends, yes. yes. 1260 days, right? And of course that it's prophetic, right? So it's not going to be literal days. We're going to get to that. Mm -hmm. We're going to see it's prophetic days. Amen, friends. Nope. All right. You have something? Nope, number 13. All right, let's go to number 13, friends. All right, this is a note. What does it say? It says, here we have the fact that 42 prophetic months represents 1,260 prophetic days. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, Numbers 14, verse 34, as well as Ezekiel 4 and verse 6, tell us that a day represents what? A, a year. year in Bible prophecy. So let's make the conclusion now. Based on the previous facts, the 1,260 prophetic days represents 1,260 literal years. Amen. Amen, Amen friends. See? So this beast, again, let's tie it all together. This mm -hmm. beast or this nation has a man who claims to be God, mm -hmm. man, this man and other men who claim to be able to forgive sins, mm -hmm. right? And also they ruled the world, the world mm -hmm. for 42 months, which we deduced is 1,260 literal mm -hmm. years. Mm. And if you have been following us when we talked about Revelation 12, mm -hmm. we covered this, yes. right? That the woman, God's church, Fled. was persecuted for how long? 1,260 years. The yeah. same time period. Mm -hmm. The Bible is repeating itself. This is the same time period. Amen. All right? All right. So number 14 now. Let's go see when this started and when it ended, friends. Let's go to 14 now. When did the 1,260 years of the reign of the papacy begin and when did it end? We won't give you the answer. You tell us, those of you who've been with us, when did the, the papacy's reign begin when it ruled the world, right? It was a persecuting power. Mm -hmm. 538 uh -huh. AD to 1798 AD. Amen, All right, friend. praise the Lord. Great controversy confirms this fact, as well as if you look back in history, look mm -hmm. at the literature. It's right there in history, friends, right? This is a fact that this was the reign of the papacy, the Dark Ages, mm -hmm. they call it, yes? Yeah, man, yeah, man, friends. So let's read that. We're just going to read that bolded, um, highlighted person right, um, portion right there in, this, in the, the statement, which says... This, this, go ahead. This says, this period, as stated in preceding chapters, began with the supremacy of the papacy, A.D. 538, and terminated in 1798. And at that time, the Pope was made captive by the French army, mm -hmm. um, General Berthier, Berthier yes. under the command of Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte. Bonaparte. Amen, friends. All right. Some history there. So let's go to number 15 now on your handout. Mm -hmm. Question asks now, what did the leopard-like beast receive between those dates, AD 538 and 1798. What did the papacy, this nation, this entity receive during this time period? Let's go back to the Bible. Let's get a reader. Revelation 13, friends, skip back over there. 
Revelation 13, let's hone in on verse number four. Who would like to read this one for us? I saw a hand up in the... Okay, my, my young brother in the back. All right. Revelation 13 and verse number four. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Amen. So what did the beast receive? What did the people do to the beast? It says there, they did what? They worshiped Amen. the beast. Thank you so much. So this, this nation, right? This entity is receiving worship, mm. which is showing us this uh, was a religious, religious entity and also a civil entity because mm. a beast is a nation. Nation, really. That's a civil power, but it's receiving worship. It's forgiving sins. Isn't that religious? Mm -hmm. So this nation is a combination of church okay. and state. We're going to see that in the next question, friends. Right? I gave the answer. Amen, friends. Go ahead. In number 16, the question asks, what kind of power did the leopard-like beast have between AD 538 and 1798. Let's read it from the scripture. Mm -hmm. Revelation 13 and verse 7. We're still in the book of Revelation. What, did, what kind of power did this beast, this beast have or receive? Are we there? Revelation 13? Yep. Verse 7. What does it say, friends? And it was given unto him, right? It was given unto him to make war mm -hmm. with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Mm. So what was given unto this beast? Power to make what? War. What kind of entity makes war, friends? Hmm? What, what kind of power do you have if you're making war? Is it not military power? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, friends. This is the power this nation received. Power, military power, as my brother gave the answer earlier on. Mm -hmm. This is an entity of church, religious power, and state, and state power, military power. Mm -hmm. Amen, friends? So that's your answer What you want to put down there. It's you receive military state power. And again, it confirms that this is the papacy because mm -hmm. during that time period, this is an undeniable fact of history, the mm -hmm. papacy, they were doing just this. They were warring with God's saints, mm -hmm. as we saw in Revelation 12, as we saw in Revelation 17 when we covered that. The same thing is being repeated. God does not change. Amen. All right, number 17. It says, using the previous conclusions, the leopard-like beast is a union of what? Church and state. Mm -hmm. To confirm, consider that the Pope is both the head of the church, Roman Catholicism, and the head of the state, the Vatican, the Holy See. Mm -hmm. You know that the Vatican is actually state. a country, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. All right, good. That's yeah. in the lesson as well. Amen. Y'all are sharp. All right, let's go to number 18 on your handout now, friends. Let's continue to walk here together. It's, the question asks, with whom did the papacy make war between AD 538 mm -hmm. and what else? And 1798. Yes, so we just saw it there in Revelation 13. Let's go to Daniel 7. Let's go there, friends. Daniel 7 and verse 25. Daniel and Revelation are one and the same. They mm -hmm. explain one another. Let's get a reader here. Daniel 7 and verse 25. Thank you, my brother. In the front. Daniel 7 and verse 25. Right. Daniel 7, 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws. 
7:25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hands unto a time and times and the dividing of time. Mm -hmm. All right. So we see right there, friends, who did the papacy, the nation, make war with? When it says to um, wear out, that means to persecute, mm -hmm. right? That means to make war with. According to the scripture there, who did the papacy wear out? The saints, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's it right there, friends. Mm -hmm. The Bible explains itself. The yes. saints, God's faithful people, God's faithful Christians. Mm -hmm. That's whom the papacy made war with. So that's what you want to put down there for your answer. Yes. And again, the, the time period is the same. It mm -hmm. says in this scripture, a time, times, and the dividing of a time. Yes. That same language is in Revelation 14. 12, verses 14 and verse 6. Yes, we it. covered that already. That's it. Confirming yet again the papacy. Mm -hmm. All right. The Bible is clear. Amen. Number 19. It says, a diligent study of Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 will reveal that the leopard-like beast is called what? What is it called? The little, the little horn. horn. Yes. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 7, verses 8, verses 23 through 25. Amen. But again, we're not going through all of that right now in this lesson. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's there for your reference, friends, right? Yes. Compare scripture and scripture. All right. So let's go to number 20 now on your handout. Right, we don't want to leave no one behind. Are we all together, friends? Amen? All right. Number 20, the question asks, what does a horn represent in Bible prophecy? What does a horn represent in Bible prophecy? Let's confirm this by going to Revelation chapter 17 now. Mm -hmm. Revelation 17 and verse 12. Amen, friends. Praise the Lord. All right, Revelation 17 and verse 12 says, And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten, ten kings. kings. All right, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. Hmm. So these horns represent? A king. Kings. A king. And as we saw in Daniel, kings are kingdom. Are, yep, kings rule over kingdoms. Kingdom. Praise the Lord. So that's your answer right there. What does a horn represent? A king or a kingdom. kingdom. Amen. All right, friends, let's go down to number 21 on your handout. Number 21, the question asks, says the papacy is called a little horn, according to Daniel chapter 7, verses 7, 8, 24, and 25. And the question is, what is the smallest country in the world? Mm. The Vatican. Yes. Right? We, we confirmed that, and we put it right here, these articles confirming that. Who would like to read uh, one of these for us? Let's make sure we're not making this up. All right, go ahead. Thank you. Under number 21. There is a country in the world smaller than New York City's Central Park and one with a population smaller than a typical high school class. Wow. <laughs> go ahead. Based on land mass, Vatican City is the smallest country in the world. The official seat of the Pope of the Catholic Church mm. since 1377, Vatican City was not declared an independent state until the Lateran Treaty of 1929. Mm -hmm. There you have it, friends, right? Confirmation. That's from history.com. Go back and look at that. There's another headline here from BBC. The Vatican is the smallest independent state in the world and residents of the spiritual leadership of the Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. friends, right? Smallest state. It's a nation. 
right? All right. A Covenant. union of church and state. Mm -hmm. All right, good. So again, we, we're going through Revelation 13, verses 1 through 10. We're not doing the entire chapter, mm -hmm. just 13, verses 1 through 10. Yes. And now let's, let's continue on in our handout and notice what 22 says. It says, what will happen to the names of the individuals who worship the beast, mm. the papacy? All right. Okay. What will happen to them? Let's go back to, we're in the book of Revelation. Go back to Revelation chapter 13. And let's go to verse 8. What will happen? The question asked to the names of the individual who worship the beast. Mm -hmm. Revelation 13 and verse 8. It says this. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him mm. whose names are not written where? In the, in the book, book of life. Mm -hmm. Of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, so what will happen to those who, when truth comes to them now, mm. they continue to worship falsely? Mm. God will remove their names from the book of life. Mm. So let's let's put this um this plug in here. We're not saying that all Roman Catholics are going to be lost. We're no. not saying that because no. God has people in other churches. Yeah. If anything, God has a majority of his faithful peoples in those fallen churches, mm -hmm. even Roman Catholicism, right? Because they're worshiping ignorantly. Mm -hmm. They're genuine in their minds, but they're being kept in darkness by the leaders and the pontiff's friends, right? So we're not saying that, all right? Many of them will come in and take the crowns of some professed Seventh-day Adventists. Mm. Spirit of Prophecy says that, right, friends? So let us not be comfortable just because our names are written on the church books, on the church records. We have a comment right here, right, friends? We have a comment. A comment right here. Thank you so much. We have to do a work to call people out of these mm -hmm. churches and bring them into the truth. Yes, out of apostasy. So I got a little bit curious, and I decided to find out where the word Vatican derives from. Mm -hmm. So turns out that the word Vatican actually means divining serpent. But not yes. only that, but the prefix Vatic deprives from, from being soothsayer, a diviner, divination, a soothsayer, mm -hmm. to practice hidden arts and magic and witchcraft mm. and so on. And then, and then um, the word can can mean a number of things. It can even mean a dog or a female or a wolf and, and a number of other things. But it's funny that it says that because... In Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, it's also called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots mm -hmm. and the abominations of the earth. And this very church is also very famous for calling itself the mother church. Hence, mm -hmm. right, even they expose themselves yes. as, the, as the harlot church of Bible prophecy. Mm. That's right. Amen. Amen. It's clear. The Bible is very clear if we study it with an open heart. Amen. All right, let's look at number 23, and, and let's get to the root of it, okay? So we saw that we're talking about the mark of the beast, right? Mm -hmm. And who is the beast again as a refresher? Babies. The Roman Catholic Church. Yes. So let's find out what the mark of this beast is. Okay. Number 23, the question asks, which day does the papacy, the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, call the day of worship the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. Again, we touched on some of this in a previous lesson. But we want to show again from the Roman Catholics themselves of what they say is their mark. Are you ready, friends? All right, let's go here now. We're, gonna, we're quoting directly from them, all right? We didn't make this up. You can go back and look at these references. What do they say is their mark? What's the first reference there? It says, Sunday is our mark of what? Authority. Mm. The church is who? Above what? The church is above the Bible? Mercy. Who gave man the authority to think that they can speak like this, friends? Wow. Is this not blasphemy? Mm. 
It says the church is above the Bible. And this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Mm. So we read in Daniel 7.25, this church will think, think to, to change, change times, times and mm. laws. Yes. God's times and laws even point to, in one application, the Sabbath. Mm. And they have said, we've transferred the holiness from Sabbath to Sunday. Mm. We're above the Bible. That's it, friends. Right? You, again, you don't even take our words. Right? You can go right to their writings and see what they say. As my brother said, they expose themselves. Mm. They tell you what, who changed it, what they're marked. They give you. All roads lead to Rome, my brother. That's mm -hmm. it. You can go back and look at the reference. That's from the Catholic Record of London. You can go back, friends, right? And again, these are not all the statements. These are just a few that we found. We put it in here so you can see. What's the next state? What does the next statement say? It says, Protestants do not realize that by observing Sunday, they accept the authority of the spokesperson of the church, the Pope. Mm. This is what they say. So Sunday churches, even maybe some of you watching online, if you attend the Methodist church, the Baptist church, the Presbyterian, the Pentecostal, the Lutheran, mm -hmm. you name them, and you're worshiping on Sunday, they, the Catholics say themselves, you are honoring our authority. Mm. You know, so you are not even following the Bible. Yeah, you're even honoring the Pope, mm -hmm. right? Indirectly, mm -hmm. if you give adherence to Sunday worship, yes. right? And again, if you don't know, if you never knew this first, this is first time God winks at your ignorance, mm -hmm. right? But after truth has come, what does He what does He require require from us? Repentance, right? Yes, the truth. We accept the truth now, mm -hmm. friends, right? Now let's put this plug in here, very. Uh, Right now. So again, we're talking about the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. Now, is when people worship on Sunday today, right now, mm -hmm. are is are they do they have they received the mark of the beast? No. Well, you, what say you, friends? Have they received? No, they have not received the mark mm -hmm. of the beast. Right? They have not received the mark of the, the mark of the beast. Is when Sunday is what enforced by law by law in the land. Right. Mm -hmm. So no Sunday law has been. Enforced, by the, right? So no one has the mark of the beast mm -hmm. yet. All right, friends? Let's yes. Made that clear. Some people are teaching that, you know, once you're here, you, you have the mark of the beast already. No, friends. That's not scriptural. It's when it is enforced as the law of the land. Mm -hmm. Amen? And we will um, continue to see those points in our next lesson mm -hmm. because we broke it up. We're talking about the mark of the beast this week. Next right. week, the image. image of the beast. That's it. Okay, so we're going to go through those verses in Revelation 13 where it says that the image of the beast and the beast, they're going to cause oh, you, that's force right. you mm -hmm. to worship. Okay? So yes. the mark of the beast is when Sunday observance is um, enforced as the, by law. Thank mm -hmm. you. So those who worship on Sunday right now have not received the mark of the beast. Amen. Amen. All right, let's continue. Number 24. Number 24. It says this, friends, however, which day does the Bible call the Lord's day? The Sabbath of the Lord, mm -hmm. right? The Catholics say it's Sunday. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 58. Mm -hmm. What does the Bible call the Lord's day? The Sabbath. Isaiah 58. Let's go there, friends. Yes. We want to hear it, thus say the Lord. We don't want to hear opinions nor traditions. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 58, verse 13. What does the Bible say? Are we there? All right. It says this. It says, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, mm. from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. Whose day is the Sabbath? God's day. All right. Right? And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, 
honorable and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Verse 14, there's a promise. Go ahead. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the the high places places of the earth, Mm. and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Mm. So the Sabbath is God's holy day. Amen. We covered that last week. The seal of God. Seal of God. That's it. That's God's mark. His identifying marker of his people. The Sabbath and in connection with what? What must they get victory over? Sin. Sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're looking at the opposite. Mm -hmm. The mark of the beast. Those who receive false worship. Mm -hmm. Sunday worship. And that means they're not getting victory over sin. Mm. You see Mm -hmm. it? That's how you receive the mark. Mm. Go ahead. That's it, friends. Let's look at let's look at also Mark chapter two. Let's go to Mark chapter two. Again, write these scriptures in your in your Bibles, friends. The chain reference them. Let's go to Mark chapter two and confirm this point yet again. What day does the Bible call the Lord's day? The Sabbath of the Lord. We looked at Isaiah, Mark chapter two. Let's look at verse twenty-seven, verse twenty-eight. The Bible is very clear, friends. Notice what it says. And he said unto them, Are we there? It says, the Sabbath was made for man and not what? Not man for the Sabbath. How dare we put a tradition above the Bible? Hmm? How dare we say our tradition, our culture is above the Bible, friends? That's not from Scripture. No, friends, no. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, all right? But we've put man for the Sabbath and switched it around. Verse 28, what does it say? Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Mm. So if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, it's his. Mm. Right? He owns it. it no, is no, no, no. Jared, it says the Pope is the no. Lord of the Sabbath. No, no. It says, ma- it says man is the Lord of the Sabbath. It is the Lord. All right, just to be clear. It's right? Jesus. Amen, friends. All yes. right. Yes, we want to make sure that we're clear. The Bible does say that. <laughs> yes, my brother. Wait bring the mic, mic over there. We have a cup. Co- okay. That's it, right. my brother. That's right. Amen. So he said uh, that the Sabbath is its not saying that the Sabbath is made just for the Jews. Mm-hmm. This is man, meaning man. mankind. This That's is for it. everyone. That's it. Good point. Thank you, brother. Number 25, okay? What did the Bible predict that the little horn or the papacy or the beast of Revelation 13, so many names, right? Mm-hmm. What did the Bible predict that this entity would do that it did indeed fulfill. Mm. Let's go to the book of Daniel, friends. Back to Daniel. It's verses 7. Daniel chapter 7. Let's Thank look at you. verse 25, friends. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible predict, or what did the Bible predict, that the little horn, the papacy, would do that it did indeed fulfill? What did they do, friends? Daniel 7, verse 25. Are we there? No one's there. Remember I told you to say amen? Yes, amen, friends. We're together. What does it say? And he shall speak great words, we can call that blasphemy, Mm -hmm. against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to do what? To change times Uh and laws. Mm. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of a time. Mm. So what did the, the little horn do? They thought you can you can write down. They thought to change to change times and laws. Mm. Whose times and laws? God's, God's times, times and, law. and laws. Yes. What is God's law, everyone? The, the Ten, Ten Commandments. Commandments. That's it. And is there a time period found within the Ten Commandments? Mm-hmm. Yes. What commandment is that? The fourth commandment, and it's dealing with what? The Sabbath. Remember, Remember the, the Sabbath, Sabbath day. day to keep holy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You had a, a comment, my brother? Yeah. All right, bring the mic right here. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you so much. The papacy thought to change God's Ten Commandments, friends. Amen. And even um, when it says times, it's not only referring to the Seventh-day Sabbath, but it's mm -hmm. also referring to the prophetic times. Yes. Because if any of you have ever heard of the preterist in the futurist view of prophecy, of which it was introduced by two Catholic priests who were trying to take the sting off of the Pope, of when the Protestants were calling the Pope the Antichrist of Revelation 13. Mm. See, many people start thinking, oh, well, these, these Seventh-day Adventists, they think that the Pope is the Antichrist. And this didn't start with us. Mm. No, this started with the Protestant reformers. That's it, brother. Yes. Even, even people like Charles Spurgeon, even people like Martin Luther, John Huss, you, you name it, really, the Protestant reformers. But even still... Lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, thank you, my brother. But even still, um, no, I remember now. But these two priests were introduced to the Pope, saying, no, there's no way it could be you. And see, the Preterist view teaches that the uh, Antichrist was somewhere far in the past, even mm -hmm. going so far as to say that it was Emperor Nero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then the Futurist view teaches that the Antichrist is somewhere way far in the future, mm -hmm. rather than actually looking at the correct way of looking at Bible prophecy, which is the historicist view. Mm -hmm. yes. so, now, now, so now, there's so, that's also why there's so much confusion as to, as to why people seem to think that it's not the papacy mm -hmm. and so it's so watered down and it's no longer political and it's no longer politically correct to mm -hmm. teach that the papacy is antichrist yes see you can't do anything against the truth you can only do for the truth because it's absolute in its very nature mm -hmm. thank you my brother thank you thank you so much thank you amen friends thank you um so much let's go let's move on now friends let's go to number 26 now on your handout so the papacy thought to take to change god's times and laws number 26 who was the person that legislated and announced that the worshiping of the sun which was then called sunday worship was the day of worship for christians who first one of the first who began this hmm Ah, you said it, friend. It was Constant Emperor Constantine, right? 321 AD. Yes, right there. Confirmation and great controversy. And of course, it's in history. In hi it's in history, friends. Notice what it says here. Red words. In the, in the early part of the 4th century, the Emperor Constantine issued a decree making Sunday a public festival throughout the Roman Empire. The day of the sun was reverenced by his pagan subjects and was honored by Christians. It was the emperor's policy to unite the conflicting interests of heathenism and Christianity. Mm. He was urged to do this by the bishops of the church who mm. inspired by ambition and thirst for power perceived that if the same day was observed by both Christian and heathens, it would promote the nominal acceptance of Christianity by pagans and thus advance the power and glory of the church. But while many God-fearing Christians were gradually led to regard Sunday as possessing a degree of sacredness, they still held the true Sabbath as the holy of the Lord and observed it in obedience to the fourth commandment. Hmm. There you go, friends. Emperor Constantine, you want to put that down as your answer here. First, to legislate a day of worship on Sunday. All right? And it's tradition, they say, above the Bible. All right. Number 27 now on your handout, friends. Let's go now. It says, how does Jesus treat those faithful Christians who died honoring Sunday as the Lord's Sabbath, who did not have an opportunity to learn about God's seventh-day Sabbath? I've gotten this question. You've probably gotten it, too. What happened to those 
who died worshiping, honoring Sunday. What happened to them? Well, the Bible lets us know very clearly. Go, to, go with us to Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. Yes. Right? Go to Acts 17 and verse 30. How does Jesus treat those who have died honoring Sunday? Are we there? Acts 17 verse 30, friends. What does it say? At the times of this ignorance, God does what? He hmm. winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Hmm. So those who honored Sunday, if they were faithful to the light that they did have, yet in their ignorance died, God will honor the truth that they did know. Mm -hmm. He won't send them to hell because they didn't know any better, mm -hmm. right? And their leaders kept them in darkness. But those who are alive, when truth comes, what does God require of us who are alive? Mm -hmm. What does it say there? Repent, right? We truth, yes. If God shows us from the Bible that mm -hmm. Sunday is not his day, is not the Lord's day, but it's the seven-day Sabbath, what does he expect of us? Mm -hmm. to, repent, to repent, to honor that which he blessed, friends. Is yes. that clear? Amen. Amen, friends, yes. How many of you here grew up in the Sunday churches? Raise your hand. All right, so we see a few hands, right? Yeah, majority, and what yeah. happened when you heard the truth about the Sabbath? By and by, whether it was the same day or a few days or maybe a few mm -hmm. years, what you, you came out, right? Yes. And accepted God's truth. It's the same thing mm -hmm. for others. As we share this message, we must be loving and kind and not expect people to necessarily change Overnight. at that instant once you share with them, but pray for them. Mm -hmm. God is going to do a work yes. to water that seed, to harvest it, and bring them in his, into his truth. Mm. Amen. Amen. Number 28 on your handout. All right. Number 28 says, who gave the papacy its power, its seat, and great authority? Mm. Let's go back to Revelation 13. And, and the second question gives you the answer. Who does the dragon represent primarily? So All it right. was the dragon. Let's go to Revelation 13 and verse 2. All right. Let's get a reader here. Revelation 13 and verse 2 in the far back. Far back. Revelation 13 and verse number 2. Read this loud and clear for us. Thank you, sir. Is, is it on? Check to see if it's on. Thanks. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were like as that of a bear. And his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave his power and his seat and great authority. Mm. All, right. All right. So who, who gave the papacy its power, seat, and authority? The dragon. All right. And who does the dragon represent? We know this. It's Satan. Satan. Now, that, that's startling. Some people may be offended by that, but this is mm. what the Bible says. Mm. It was the devil himself yes. who gave the papacy its power. It's mm. seat and authority. Mm. So, and, which, so, go ahead. I was going to say, which entity really is behind the papacy? Which who's behind? Who's really behind mm -hmm. the system of the Vatican? Mm -hmm. of the, it's Satan, friends. Right. Yes, That's why we used to call people out yes. from them. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But let's confirm that again. So you're not making. We're not making this up. Right. Let's go to Revelation 12, verses seven through nine. We're just we're just going to hone in on verse nine, but it confirms who is the dragon represent who, who the dragon represents primarily verse 9 of revelation 12 it says the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called who the devil and satan who deceiveth the whole world all right so confirmation right there that it, the dragon represents satan in a primary sense all right let's go to number 29 on your handout here friends all right number 29. number 29 says why was satan expelled from heaven 
what has ever been Satan's desire to receive? Mm. Let's see the character of Satan. And as we study the character of Satan, we will see similar characteristics in the character, the system of the papacy. Mm. Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14. All right, Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14. And what was Satan's name in heaven before it became Satan? Lucifer. Thank you so much. Let's see if we find Lucifer here. It says this in verse 12. Are we there? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like mm. the most high. Ooh. So what did, what did the angels give to God that Satan wanted? Worship, friends, right? Position and power. Mm -hmm. We know it was pride, but mm -hmm. deep down, ultimately, he wanted worship, mm -hmm. right? And who does worship only belong to? Uh, mm. And God it says, friends. he said, Satan, Lucifer said, mm -hmm. I will be like the most high. Mm -hmm. Now compare that with Daniel 7 verse 25 in your mind. It says that the, the little horn would speak great, great words against who? The most the high. The most high. Yes. And we confirm that's the papacy. papacy. Yes. And those great words in one application Blasphemies. Mm -hmm. A man who claims to be God, mm -hmm. who claims to be able to forgive, forgive sins. sins. That's it. The papacy is on par with the devil. Mm. The system. system. But there are faithful people in the Catholic Church. I said, friends. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, let's go there. And let's see, let's confirm this point again. When Satan came to Jesus, what did he want? Mm -hmm. Let's get a reader here. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. 10. Thank you, right over here to the left. Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10. Matthew 4, verses 8 to 10. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Mm. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, mm -hmm. and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. Mm. So There's what did the devil want from Jesus? Worship. 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 So what do you think he wants from us as humans, mm. worship. Same thing. Same thing, friends. Let's go to number 30 on your handout here. Number 30. Through whom does Satan seek to receive worship? Based Through on the whom? context. Yes, based on the context, right? Let's go to Revelation 13. Whom does Satan seek to receive worship? Revelation 13, verse, verse 4. 4. Are we there? No, we're not there. Uh, amen, friends. Praise the Lord. Revelation 13, verse 4. The Bible says, And they worshiped the dragon, mm -hmm. which gave power unto whom? The beast. And they what? 
worshipped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him. So based off of that scripture and the context of it, whom does Satan seek to receive worship? Through whom? The beast. The beast power, right? Yes, the papacy. That's the entity Satan is working through. So as Satan works through this entity, right, to cause people to worship falsely, inadvertently they are worshiping who? Satan. Satan, mm. friends. Right? It makes sense? Amen. All right. So that's your answer right there. The papacy, the beast. Satan is working to receive worship through this entity here. Let's go to number 31. Mm -hmm. All right. Last